0: Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane.
1: And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona And we are in the peak of the planting season, May. There's more plants that go into the gardens in the month of May than any other month. In most areas that are tuned into this broadcast, that is the case. Phoenix, uh, Tucson, Yuma, that's different. There it would be more like March because it heats up so much down there. But up here in God's country, up here in the mountains of Arizona, May seems to be the peak now up in the White Pine Top Lakeside, uh, Sunrise, uh, Flagstaff, the higher elevations, Williams, you all have got Memorial Day. That's your peak here at the middle central highlands area, uh, Prescott Valley and Prescott Payson. It's going to be more like Mother's Day. If you're from Kingman to the lower elevations, you know, Cottonwood, Verde, Sedona, it might be the middle of April. So it just flexes a little bit, couple weeks here or there around Mother's Day. That's the peak of the planting season. And my gardens, they are growing, growing, growing. It's exciting to watch. They're not quite blooming yet, uh, some of them, but they're starting to set buds. So my tomatoes, uh, I've got, I did plant a few very large tomatoes and, and I might harvest one or two this week, we'll see. But they're still growing some foliage. They haven't set new flowers yet, but they'll continue. The other ones that I planted that were smaller, they're actively growing new foliage. And so what I'll do is I'll let those tomatoes, the peppers, squash, the cantaloupes, the watermelons—you can just go right down the list. I'll let them get up to what I think is a medium size, a little bit smaller size. So tomatoes up to about knee high, Uh, peppers down to maybe a foot no more than 18 inches high, I'll start to spray the plant itself with Blossom Set. What, what Blossom Set does, and we've got it here, at the, any garden center's got this. It's like a specialized nursery thing, but it slows the plant growth of your edibles. Mainly it's used for edibles, so tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, those types of things. They, they start to grow so fast in spring that you want to slow them down. They, they actually forget to bloom, to set fruit. So what Blossom Set does, you spray the foliage, spritz the actual, don't focus on the flower, focus on the foliage, and it slows the metabolism of the plant down long enough where it kind of goes, oh, I'm starting to get tired. Oh, What's going on? What what What's happening here? Oh, yeah, I'm a tomato. I should probably set some flowers. I'm a cucumber. I should probably set some flowers. Even if it is setting flowers, Blossom Set will allow that plant to grow larger. More blossoms, you get a heavier production. So I, I go down to the, the, uh, the box stores, they've got this little eight ounce bottle of Blossom Set. I'm almost giggling beneath, beneath my breath going, that's not even enough spritz for like one plant, much less a garden area. You really want, I, I get a quart size trigger sprayer of Blossom Set at the beginning of every season. I've already used up what I had last year, the carryover. Now I'm on to my next, my fresh new bottle. But the main thing being, people don't know how to use a blossom set. And so you spritz the plant. Once they're up to, they've got more than just their, their baby leaves. You know, those first few leaves are so small. They're not fully mature. Now they're actively growing their more mature, uh, recognizable foliage, that, that plant is, is used for um, once it gets up a few more inches past that go ahead and start and I will spray my plants every other week with blossom set just so I'll get more fruit we're, we're kind of famous especially the higher the elevation you go the more difficult plants have a setting fruit and so this forces tricks them into setting setting blossoms faster sooner um, the other one that I like to, to use in between that, you remember every other week, Blossom Set. In between those weeks, I also get at the same time a quart-sized bottle of Rot Stop, R-O-T Stop, Rot Stop. It's liquid calcium. Now, I front load my gardens with a lot of calcium automatically. I fertilize them with my uh, vegetable and, and, and fruit food. I've got a f- special organic food I make for the mountains, mountain gardens up here. But what makes a fruit sweet, what makes it flavorful, what, what makes it larger is going to be calcium. Well, rot stop is a liquid form of calcium. And so I'll spritz the foliage. Once a week, I spritz my, my plants, my edible plants. One week with blossom inset, blossom set the other one with rot stop. And I just, once a week, I trade them off back and forth, back and forth through the growing season. Once the plants are up large enough and I'll have some sweet, beautiful, mean you pick those peppers off and grill them and they just, you can smell the flavor just coming through the grill. You, you, you pick a tomato and just bite into it right there in the garden and your mouth just water is going, oh, that tastes so good. That's calcium. If you don't do that, you don't really add a lot of calcium into the soils themselves, what will happen is you'll get a blossom, a rotted spot where the blossom was. It's called blossom end rot. It's famous in the mountains of Arizona because of our cool nights, our heavy soils, our alkaline water. There's a lot of reasons uh, that we have more blossom inset, that blossoms uh, rot than other parts of the country. But that rot stop, that is the magic bullet that just eliminates all of that and increases the flavor. It's important. I did notice one one theme I've noticed this week with with clients here at the Garden Center, been out helping a lot of gardeners uh, with their flowers, with their vegetables, with their herbs, with their tree shrubs. Um, They don't know, there's a confusion as to what a perennial and what an annual is. Can I just take a moment and just explain annual, perennial? What's the difference? And I'll refer to this often on the show, Uh, perennial and permanent both start with P. So perennials come back, you plant them once and you're done. They come back every year over and over. Perennial is one that comes back year after year. An annual looks great for the year, but then it dies in the winter It's only good for one year. So an annual season and that's it. That's a real difference between annual and perennial. Now, the reason someone would plant an annual over perennial is is simple. Annuals look better. They bloom more. They're they're rock stars. They're beautiful. You take pictures of them. You put them in front of magazines. They're glorious. And they never stop blooming. A little bit of care, and they just keep blooming. If you want lots of flowers right now, big trailing, hanging uh, flowers, that's going to be an annual. A perennial does not do that. It's got a season where it actually blooms and looks really great. It's usually about a month to six weeks. There's a few of them that can go a couple months, but but most perennials have a a time slot where they just kind of they look good and then they just fade. They're just this beautiful green, sometimes fragrant foliage. You're planting them for, for different reasons. That's why perennials you mainly will plant in groupings. So you, you'll have a spring bloomer, a summer bloomer, a fall bloomer, and, and you've, you're having this, this this, cottage garden effect. That's where cottage garden, that's what they're famous for. They've got spring bloomers. Oh, look, all the calendulas are, are blooming all at once now. Look how pretty. And then they fade and they stop blooming. Then it's all the galardia. Look at that. Oh, how pretty. Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. And then they start to fade. Then the mums come on. Oh, look, it's so pretty. It must be fall. Mums are, then the asters kind of ended at the end of the season. The asters look so good. So my, my uh, peonies have been blooming and blooming for over a month. Uh, peonies grow really well in the mountains of Arizona. They love the dry, crisp, I mean, they just like bad soil, bright light, wind they'll take. They just, they like Arizona and they don't have the disease issues the Midwest has. Uh, but they only bloom for six weeks at most. In fact, I've only got a few more flowers left and then I've just got this beautiful uh, peony-type foliage to it. It's almost ferny looking. It's very pretty, very handsome in the garden. But the flowers, that's where the fragrance, that's where the color comes from. So we'll, we'll plant them interspersed. Many times I mix the two. I'll put perennials as my anchor. So I'll get some flowers from there, but then I'll accessorize or skirt my perennial gardens with annuals. So you can blend the two together. I'm trying to reduce the amount of work in that flower garden by putting perennials, something more permanent in there. But then I'll accessorize with lots of color with the annuals. You can have your cake and eat it too in the mountains of Arizona. Lots in store for you this show. Lisa Waters Lane coming in with your garden questions. After this.
0: You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.
1: Waters Garden Companion Plants in May are Purple Robe Locust, and Achevia, Prescott sunshine geraniums and easy elegant roses.
0: Just plant these roses in a sunny spot and enjoy.
1: We've married the beauty of long stem roses with the easy care of shrub roses for landscape color like no other plant in the backyard.
0: Choose fragrant reds, radiant pinks, curls, vivacious yellows and stately whites. Extremely fragrant and
1: only found locally at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.
0: Gee, my flowers
1: just bloom too much. Said no one. Ever? Hi, this is Kenneth Waters. We had a crazy winter and everyone's ready for flowers in the garden.
0: Waters Flower Power is made specifically for Arizona that gives flowers that extra boost to burst into bloom. It's an energy kick in the plants. Get ready for roses that rule, peppers that pop, and tomatoes that triumph. More power to the flowers with
1: Flower Power at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.
0: You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener.
1: And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. Uh, My wife of three decades and two years. uh, Mother of our, our four kids, our three grandkids, and an extraordinary gardener. Welcome oh, well, to the studio. Yeah. So we've been running a garden center, and, and uh, uh, things are, are happening. We've got a food drive going on this weekend. We've partnered up with Rotary, so this is the last thing we need to do in, in uh, May is focus on <laughs> fundraisers and f- food drives, and the parking lot's packed already. But when friends call you going, Ken, could you help? Mm-hmm. You step up and you just help friends. Sure. And so, Prescott uh, Frontier Rotary, their cause—they like to do one fundraiser, something for the community every week, and then a grand thing—the grapes for grades for the schools—on um, an annualized basis. And so they go, "Ken, can you help us?" Going, "Yeah, let me write a press release. Let me tell my staff." So now we've set up two huge water troughs out in the parking lot. You can donate food because the community pantry or cupboard is is. Empty. They're just Mm. empty. I think they give away like 400 meals. Wow, a a day. It's some crazy number. Mm. So if you all could Mm -hmm. help us out, Lisa and I have really put a lot of energy into this to get the team to. It's easy. You don't even have to get out of your car. You can just drive by, throw it out the window, window. (laughs) some canned goods, pastas, a check to community pup board or or, uh, Prescott Frontier Rotary. There's there's two ways to do it. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our our website. Uh, help us out by giving back to the community fund yeah. drive this week. And They're going to come in on Monday
0: mm-hmm. and
1: pick it up, but I hope that's completely topped over, and filled up. That'd be nice. That would be great. Yeah. Just great. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, this is about how you doing?
0: Uh, I don't know. Is it is it into May yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's been a long month, but it's a great month. It's been a lot of fun. And the weather, this past week, the weather was gorgeous. Yeah, it really it turned, turned around and became nice again.
1: Yeah, it was winter, hot. then summer, and then now it's spring. <laughs> now it will be summer, and then it'll be fall. That'll be
0: <laughs> That's kind of how the mountains work. It's all kind of crazy, <laughs> but we had a week of beautiful weather, so I'll take it. But Richard has a question. He lives out in Chino. His raywood ash is its pretty mature. It's about almost 10 years old. Half of it leafed out and the other half didn't. She so wants oh. to know what happened, what caused it. Is there any way to save the tree at this point?
1: Well, it's always worth trying. So Chino Valley, I have no idea what happened. I mean, just, Doc, my chest hurts. What's going on? Oh, there's like a hundred things. But just knowing what we know about Chino Valley... That's go for heaven out there. So more than likely, it's one of two things. Especially a mature, strong tree like that, half of it's coming out. Probably over the winter, gophers came in and ate some of the roots. And they probably ate the side that's stressed out. So you'll see the stress coming up. So half the tree that didn't get damaged didn't have all the the roots eaten off. And the other half did or it could be grubs we're seeing a lot the planting crews are going out in the community they're installing a lot of plants and we are running into grubs it's a little white worm that uh, eats the roots off the trees again again it stresses it out so if you get enough grubs literally you can have i've literally opened up the earth and seen thousands of grubs eating the roots off of plants shrubs trees Um, it could be that there's something going on at the root level so what exactly i don't know what to do? Dig a test hole, see see if you see grubs. Mm-hmm. Or if you've got mounds in your yard, those pocket gopher mounds, there's mounds of dirt around, it's gophers. It's just what it is. They're in the yard, they eat the roots. Mm-hmm. Kill the gophers, feed the plant, and it will come out of it. Uh, there's a line in the sand where trees, once they cross that, they just keep dying. There's no way to turn them around. If you can catch them and bring them back, they want to live. It's gasping for its last breath, and you just have to help it a little bit. It'll come back. So what to do? Fertilize it with the all-purpose plant food. It's a 744 fertilizer. And then also, specifically in addition, use humic, H-U-M-I-C. It's humic acid. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a mocha-colored, um, it's like an antibiotic for, for plants. It just helps them to root out, feeds the soil so they want to send off new roots. You're going to have to grow new roots. In that on that side of the tree specifically. And then I'd just deep soak it like once a week. I'd pray over it, play at Mozart, <coughs> do all that other gardener stuff that we do, and you'll know uh, by the first week or two in June whether you want to cut it down or it, whether it's, it came back. It'll start to leaf out. Mm-hmm. So just nur- nurture it a little bit, give it humic, fertilize it, and then get rid of the gophers or the grubs. Right Or find out what that would is stressing that thing out. Okay. Uh, the real concern is, if it happened to an established tree, well, it can spread to other trees really easily. So you need to really be concerned. Just, well, I've got three trees. This is the only one that died. What's wrong? I'm going, well, it's the only one that's died yet. It can easily go right down the line and obliterate mm-hmm. every single raywood in your Yard, or or spread over to apple trees, or it should be a concern. Your your alarm should be up, and and you should be you know put the helmet on, get the hand grenades, put the put the you got to be all go all marine on them and and go after that. Figure out what's going on, or it can it can kill off your yard.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Sherry. She was in last week and bought a beautiful hydrangea. Her question is, she put it in the shade like she was supposed to, but come afternoon, the leaves are kind of droopy, and she wants to know, is that a problem? What should she do? Yeah. Hydrangeas
1: are crybabies. They're just big <laughs> whiners. When it gets hot, especially, probably it's not doing it right now, it's probably doing it last week, mm-hmm. after Mother's Day, when it was, that, it was, a, it was really hot. warm, and then it cooled yeah. off. So if, if hydrangeas get hot, not even if they're in the sun or shade, they're just, they're just hot, the temperatures up in the nineties. They're just hot. They'll start drooping and whining complain. If they could lay down on the ground, they would do that. <laughs> so they just wanna they're just talking. Mm-hmm. If it's at the end of the day, don't worry about it. As soon as that sun goes down, it'll perk right back up and go, Oh, I just I can just just playing with you. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, the the damage can be done with hydrangeas. Is is when you overwater them, you get them too much, they get too wet, too wet. And then we lose some of the roots and then the droopy gets even worse. So the key, see with hydrangeas, the secret with them is keep them in the shade. A a little bit of morning sun or real late in the day is fine. but Keep them mainly in the shade, especially in the peak of the day. And then if they're droopy at the end of the day, don't worry about them. If they're droopy in the morning... Water hydrangeas early, early morning, like six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning's ideal, before the heat of the day. So they have time to, to hydrate and plump up before they take on the heat. And that seems to be the cycle that really works for them. So they'll come around, fertilize them with um Flower power twice a month, and you'll have amazing hydrangea flowers, that big old pom-pom yeah. uh, flower on them be beautiful. Uh, through the season.
0: Yep. The other thing, I the other plant that does that a lot is tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, By the end of the afternoon, people the leaves are kind of droopy, and people go, oh, they need more water. So they pour more water on it, and it just, you're rotten those roots off. And they go, I watered it. What happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Those so, two
1: are kind of two peas in a yeah. pod.
0: Yeah, you just got to watch them in the evening. If they perk back up, leave them alone. Well, Sh- Lynn would like to know what's that beautiful tree growing around the community that has the big purple blossoms coming off of it?
1: Oh, it's got to be the valley. We're starting to see them bloom in Prescott. Uh, they've been in bloom for a week or so out in the valley areas. So that's a, it's a locust. It's a wild, we grow a wild locust up in the mountains called black locust. Well, it's kind of thorny and wants I to do. rip your face off, yeah. and it's just a more bushy, but has that same flower. Mm-hmm. We've bred, crossbred that with a tree called purple robe locust, and now we've got a, a local native, and it doesn't have the thorn, and it doesn't get the bean pods, and it, but it still has that beautiful flower and the robust hardiness of our natives. Mm-hmm. So that's a purple robe locust, fast-growing. Oh, like two feet a year. It's a great shade tree. Takes our wind. It's tough as nails. Drought hardy. Um, it's just a great tree for up here. But you can count on it to bloom in the middle of May every single year. Almost mm-hmm. around Mother's Day, it'll just start to bloom. These big wisteria blossoms drape the entire tree. Very fragrant. They make great cut flowers. You can bring them indoors. Drought hardy takes the wind. I mean, just, it's got, every yard should have at least one. They're just so pretty. <laughs> Grows up <laughs> to about... You know 30 35 feet tall good shade Big tree eye. for the back patio front yard street tree mm-hmm. down the sidewalk so purple robe locust well lisa that's uh out of time we'll be right back with Ken Lisa lane and the mountain gardeners
0: you're listening to ken lane aka the mountain gardener ken can be found throughout the week in prescott at waters garden center Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Victory Pyrocantha.
1: It's impossible to kill this evergreen shrub. Your garden victory is assured.
0: Birds will nest and revel amongst the cluster of bold red berries. Thick enough to hedge and screen,
1: yet tall enough to use as a windbreak.
0: A big bold plant is just $59 and sure to impress your garden friends.
1: Waters Garden Center,
0: 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who
1: love Victory Gardens, they love to shop. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Indian Hawthorn, Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums,
0: and Vining
1: Akebia.
0: Akebia is a super vigorous vine with dangling fragrant flowers. She
1: proliferates up arbors, pergolas, fences and stunning as a ground cover to retain hills.
0: One of the fastest growing evergreen vines you can plant in the gardens. You'll only find the hardiest
1: vines at Waters Garden Center,
0: 1815
1: Iron Springs Road in Prescott.
0: You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with 2Ts gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane.
1: Something else has come up this week that's uh, interesting. I've never seen this before, but customers are coming in and, and they obviously killed it. And so and the, the question goes like this. I bought the plant and it said it was for full sun. I planted it out in the yard and it died. Why? And, and the, the question is, uh, their thought was, you should never have to water. If the, if the label says this plant is full sun, I should plant it and never have to water it. That, the only thing that does that is a cacti. And even that would appreciate some moisture to get started with. Maybe manzanita could be like that gray-leaf cotoneaster, bear grass. There's several that are like that, agaves that are really robust. They're full sun, but really full sun has nothing to do. There's no correlation between how much moisture how often you water with full sun, part shade, or full shade kind of plant it is. What will happen is if you plant, let's say, a hydrangea, it says it's for the shade, And if you plant that outside in the full sun, what will happen is the plant, it just can't tolerate that. It's perspiring faster than the roots can actually uptake moisture from its from its from its ground. And so no matter how much you water hydrangea, if it's out in full sun, it's still gonna weep. You can't get brown tips, it's gonna suffer. You could water it every day and it wouldn't make any difference. You could water it continually. And the root system is not mature enough to keep all those flowers of a hydrangea, all that foliage going. It needs to be in the shade. A plant that's in full sun, so it'd be like an andina or a potentia or a spirea or a manzanita or red redtiphotinia. There's tons of them. They're just, I've got hundreds. I've got two acres of, of full sun plants here at the garden center. But that does not mean that it can go without any water. Plant it and then let it go. It's going to wilt, dry, die. The, the leaves will be crispy and drop off. And so the only plant that can do that would be a prickly pear, a, a, a cholla cactus, uh, some of those really robust plants. Even the most robust, let's say it's a, a blooming Spanish broom. Beautiful yellow flowers right now, very fragrant, very tough once it's established. But if you buy it from the nursery and you just throw it in the ground, the root structure is not developed enough to keep it going through the until it to encourage it to root out into the surrounding soil. It needs it takes almost two years for it to, or two growing seasons for it to actually have a mature root structure where it can keep going by itself. Hand water. If it says full sun, give it some moisture. What I do is I've been digging my holes uh, at the same depth as the bucket, but but wider, two or three times wider than the bucket, kind of saucer shaped, and I'll put it in the ground. Before I actually put it in that planting hole, I'll actually fill that planting hole halfway up with moisture with water. I'll just fill it. In fact, I'll I'll take that root ball out of the bot out of the pot that it came in, kind of knock it off. I'll massage the roots lightly, not very much. don't knock a lot of roots off. Then I'll plop it or place it down in that wet, soggy uh, planting hole. What I'm trying to do is, if I've got a lot of water in that hole, it does two things. It it, uh, hypersaturates the root ball, which is great when you're first putting it in, and then it also helps to saturate the surrounding soil. Many times when you're planting, when it's dry like this, you'll be planting your hole, you'll try to water it, and the ground is so dry that it will actually wick water away from the root ball. It does damage. The surrounding soil does damage to that healthy plant you bought from the nursery. So you really do want to hydrate that soil around your, your plant that you're putting in the ground before you put it in there. And my solution is fill it halfway up with water, go ahead and put it in there, and then put my blended mulch and native earth around that root ball and pack it in. Then I'll water it again on top of that plant. What I'll do from that point is I'm going to water plants, a tree or a shrub, a couple times a month. They're rather sensitive when they're in full bloom or they've got tender new foliage. So to water every day, way too much. Trees, shrubs, vines, they don't like that. They like to breathe in between the water cycles. Now, some of my container gardens, uh, vegetable gardens, herbs, I'm watering every day. There's a dry, prevailing wind that's out there right now, and I've spent all this energy and time and money on my soils and the plants, getting them just right. The last thing I want to do is leave them wanting. Now, I've got well-drained soil, so I can water every day. If you're out in that valley area, let's say Prescott Valley Chino Valley, Paulda, and those heavy clay soils, Spring Valley, Mayor, Dewey, you know who you are. Heavy clay soils, if you're putting those plants in that heavy clay, you might not have to water as often because the soil doesn't perk. And that's where the gardener, no one can tell you exactly how to water, only you can do that. You, we can give you guidelines so you're making less mistakes, but we're just trying to tell you approximately a couple times a, a week for trees and shrubs and probably every day to every other day for, tree, for uh, flowers, lawns, vegetables, herbs, that kind of thing. The full sun does not mean zero water. Bottom line. The
0: Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in
1: your yard this season. Water's garden companion plants in May are Purple robe Locust, Vine and Achevia, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums and Easy Elegant Roses.
0: Just plant these roses in a sunny spot and enjoy. We've
1: married the beauty of long stem roses with the easy care of shrub roses for landscape color like no other plant in the backyard.
0: Choose fragrant reds, radiant pinks, corals, vivacious yellows and stately whites.
1: Extremely fragrant and only found locally at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Vining akebia, Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Indian Hawthorn.
0: Wind is no problem for this Indian Hawthorn. Rose-colored flowers cover this spring bloomer that often repeat blooms in fall. Dark blue berries adorn this compact bush that takes the wind and soaks up the sun like a native. Perfect for low-maintenance gardens with
1: virtually no pruning ever.
0: Every backyard should have at least one and only found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener.
1: And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week. And this segment is all about her, her garden styles, what she's seen, what's, what's on her heart as far as gardening goes. So welcome back in the studio, Lisa.
0: Thank you. Good to be here, as always.
1: Yeah. So uh, what's going on in your garden world?
0: <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots and lots of stuff. My goodness. We've gotten, I kind of thought, oh, we're through with all the big truckloads, but no, we're not. We still have trucks coming in.
1: Season keeps going, yeah. so it usually peaks around Mother's Day and then it tapers off. But it's still crescendoing. It's still going up. It's still so you've got to keep people are stunned. They come in and they'll go in that like that back greenhouse. Mm-hmm. It's five thousand square feet of herbs and vegetables and colors and. And, and they're going, well, I saw it there two days ago. Well, where, where's that block? I'm going, they sell by the hour, not yeah. by the day or by the week. I mean, right. the, the turns, in retail, you call it turns. How many times mm-hmm. can you sell a product off of that one table? Those are retail turns. You retailers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, that ta- that house turns like 15 to 18 times mm-hmm. in a season. That's like during the season. I mean, it turns like every single week during the <laughs> during the peak of the season yeah, so yeah, yeah still so going
0: if people see something they want you should yeah. get yeah. that because Don't it will not be here when you come back it's <laughs> so
1: true i've heard that
0: so many <laughs> times but. yeah but we still have lots of really neat stuff coming in a lot of the perennials i mean yeah. end of may june that's when the perennials really start to shine so lots of really pretty perennials coming in still lots of Pretty color, geraniums and petunias and all that kind of stuff. We just had
1: another couple hundred hanging baskets come in. Mm -hmm. so uh, Because people are still accessorizing the back patios. Uh, Perennials, really now through June, first part of July, is the time to plant perennials. Because they're all in bloom. You can actually shop them, not by that little tag. (laughs) And they emerge in spring from the ground. They look like a big green blob in a bucket. Mm -hmm. But now, they're a beautiful green thing. In full bloom, and you can smell and touch and see what they're looking like. Yeah. That's perennials. I noticed the annuals. We've switched over. There's no spring annuals left. So there are no pansies. Oh, no. No snapdragons. or are very limited to Dusty Millers. Now it's the vincus and the zinnias and the geraniums and the marigolds, things that love the heat. Mm-hmm. So you see, the great thing is you get to see the transition, the seasonality. Right. Right. Of the crop rotation here at the here, here at the garden center, and and you should see those in your gardens as well. So oh, as yeah. those pansies fade, pull them out, yeah.
0: put a vinca in there. It's, it's stunning. You don't have to water it hardly, and it just blooms. loves the heat, you bet. So I thought we would talk about today those trees in the area that like the summer and they actually bloom and show their beautiful color in the summertime yeah perfect that's great Yeah. yeah so of course the i think one of my favorites if you want an easy growing tree that's just a really simple care takes care of itself i think the desert willow is probably that tree it just it Blooms so pretty, it has those really pretty kind of orchid flowers on it. You wouldn't think about it when you look at the tree, or you know, you wouldn't think it would have those gorgeous blooms, but it definitely does. The one that I really like is the Timeless Beauty because that one doesn't produce the pod. Now, the native one there is a native desert willow that grows around here and it does a really light pink blossom and it's pretty, but when it's done blooming. It puts kind of an ugly pod. <laughs> well,
1: I don't know. It's kind of pretty. I don't, I uh, like bean pods, but I like how the they do. sound. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind I'm of weird. A,
0: I'm not a pod. I person.
1: appreciate what nature has at all aspects.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, the Timeless Beauty, and they get what, 12, 15 feet? Yeah. So a little bit smaller teens. tree, but great for some of our yards around here and just really nice summer color. They do have another one. I think it's called Bubba. Yeah. It, it produces a few pods. But you it's know, a, a little secret, to-
1: even if you have a native. <laughs> so they grow wild out in Dewey, Skull Valley, Yarnell. They're just wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a great tree for here. It's very natural. Get it get it naturalized. Get it rooted. Don't water it or care for it again. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pick those pods off, it will instantly rebloom again. Uh-huh. Or if you let it reseed, you could mm-hmm. harvest those seeds and start another desert willow out there someplace if you wanted. But pick the beans off, It'll instantly rebloom. Re- the timeless beauty and the bubba. The named varieties. They've just figured out how to have a hybrid variety that doesn't form beans, right. and so it just automatically does this reblooming by itself. So mm-hmm. you do get a richer, deeper, more color out of a tree.
0: Right, right. Another one that is really pretty is the smoke tree. That one it has beautiful color in the leaves. They're usually either I think the grace is kind of a red, and then there's the royal purple, which is that real burgundy plummy look but the blossom they send up which is where it gets its name from is this real wispy kind of uh, what pinkish color bloom that comes off of there and when the wind catches it and it blows it just looks like this little poof of smoke coming off of there looks
1: like the tree the bush Mm -hmm. It's really not a tree smoke tree it's really a bush is on fire (laughs) it's kind of neat especially when the Sun sets behind them Mm -hmm. they're really neat again tough
0: Tough yeah. as nails. Oh, definitely. And you said bush, but they easily get 8 to 10 feet. Yeah, they do. Right. Maybe
1: 12. I've seen a 12-footer or some, you know, but 10 is where they top out. Easily okay. able to keep them down to chest high
0: if yeah. you wanted. Okay. The other one that I really, really like is the chased tree. Uh, also Vitex, also known as Vitex. But that one, they're again about 12 to 15 feet, but it puts off a purple blossom that almost looks like a... Um, like a butterfly bush or a lilac. Lilac. Yeah, Yeah. just really stunning. And when they're in full bloom, oh my goodness, hang on to your hat because it is very, very striking.
1: Hummingbirds, pollinators, butterflies love chase tree. Is it chaste or chase?
0: Chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E. Oh, chaste, really? I just call it it chaste tree. (laughs) I
1: don't know, I've been mis- or Vitex, really, it's Vitex right. is a Latin name. But anyway, we know if, if well, you even get close, we we can tell you. What right, it is. right.
0: Well, they call it Chase Tree because the monks used to use it because it's supposed to keep down that, you know, that wanting to get jiggy.
1: <laughs> oh, really? I had no idea. You had such a hard time getting that out to So. <laughs> Getting jiggy! You're allowed to use that over the airwaves, I'm sure. Get horny, probably don't use no, that one. Get don't jiggy, use that use one. Use that
0: one. <laughs> you should have ah, said that. Really, does it work? I don't know, <laughs> but that's where it's got its name from. It's, oh my gosh, I had used no to idea use it for that. So huh. I don't. I'm sure somebody will tell us if it worked or not. We'll it's find a out. native.
1: Uh, it's a one that naturalizes again, so it gets up to that 10, 12 feet beautiful vase shape long long bloom cycle it is a great it loves growing in the mountains of Arizona it's a tough summer bloomer
0: yeah, yeah wonderful tree mimosas of is in another one we got some real pretty chocolate mimosas in the other day and so chocolate mimosas have that more dark um, um not brown, because that sounds horrible, kind burgundy. of burnt burgundy yeah. color to it, but still has that real pretty pink blossom on it, which the hummingbirds absolutely they love. They love. So
1: do the uh, swallowtails mm-hmm. and monarchs.
0: Right, right. So, and big tree. I mean, it can get fairly 20, good size. It's, it's,
1: it's high teens, 20, something like but that. It has a big
0: canopy. Umbrella-shaped kind it. of canopy,
1: yeah. which is beautiful. Right. The beauty with the, with the chocolate mimosa is some folks love that tree because it's so robust, it's so pretty but then it forms this bean pod that drops down. Well, they've bred the bean pod out of the chocolate mimosa. Ah. So you get a longer bloom cycle and without the beans. Mm -hmm. So there you go, it's almost preferred. If we had to do it over again in our yard, I would plant chocolate mimosa because we just pick up (laughs) bean pods all the time. But it's such a pretty tree.
0: All the time. But it is a pretty tree, fast growing too. And then one that is blooming right now around town is the purple robe locust, yeah. which is a beautiful tree, very fast growing tree yeah. as well, but puts on that uh, purple blossom that kind of dangles down. Very, very, very pretty out there.
1: Wisteria blossoms, mm-hmm. very fragrant. And locusts, anytime you hear locust, you know you've got a tough plant. So we've seen golden locusts mm-hmm. that's had bright gold, new growth, and now it's starting to mature green and then the fall color will be gold again but it doesn't really have a flower you're really planting that for the foliage right. uh, color the purple robe locust ooh that one has all literally hundreds and hundreds of flowers covering this this 30 35 foot tree ball shaped wispy light airy which takes on the wind mm-hmm. purple robe locust is a great tree all those that you mentioned chase tree desert willow Smoke Smoke bush. Yeah, smoke tree. Mimosa. Mimosa and purpura blocus. Yep, five of them. Great trees. Good time to plant summer trees here at Waters Garden Mm -hmm. Center. Thank you, Lisa. Kenna, Lisa Lane, and the Mountain Gardeners. We will be right back.
0: For more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at WatersGardenCenter.com. That's Waters with Two T's, GardenCenter.com.
1: Waters Garden companion plants in May are Indian Hawthorn,
0: Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Vining Akebia. Akebia is a super vigorous vine with dangling fragrant flowers. She proliferates
1: up arbors, pergolas, fences, and stunning as a ground cover to retain hills.
0: One of the fastest growing evergreen vines you can plant in the gardens.
1: You'll only find the hardiest vines at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Water's companion plants in May are vining akebia, Indian hawthorn, Prescott sunshine geraniums, and purple robe locusts.
0: Incredible long clusters of purple flowers in May that look just like wisteria flowers hanging from this local bloomer.
1: The eight inch fragrant flowers cover the tree profusely.
0: Super hardy and drought tolerant with a brisk growth rate of two feet in one year. It's just the perfect backyard shade tree. You'll find the shadiest trees here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, Welcome, your host Ken Lane.
1: So I put in a few more cucumbers. What else have I put in this week? A uh, uh, small pumpkins, baby pumpkins. I love pumpkins and just grandkids. They just go together, and they're so cute in the fall. And then in the winter, over the holidays, we'll we'll take them off the. The top deck, which is about a story and a half down, and we'll drop them off, and we'll smash pumpkins onto the deck below. It's just fun. And it's. it's I'm a pumpkin grower. I love that. I'm also a flower grower. But some of the vegetables that I put in there, were putting some more squash. A basil. Basil plants came in this week. Some strawberries. What else? Just, just been adding to my gardens. Um, some things I did notice. So I've been putting plants in for over two months so Swiss chard and kales are coming off strong uh, spinach and 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 uh, just all those winter blooming or winter growing things they're growing like crazy. They love this chill that we had this week. The summer plants they're starting to finally grow. those are plants that grow a, a fruit that you're actually going to pick. So there's winter crops. You're, you're harvesting either the flower like broccoli or the foliage like spinach, lettuce, kale, cabbages, uh, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. You, you know what cool season vegetables are. The summer vegetables are things that you're going to pick the actual fruit. These are watermelons, uh, cucumbers, eggplants, tomatoes, beans. These are all things that love. They're tropical. They do not like cold nights. They want warm days, bright, warm, long days. They've been growing. And I noticed that there were some leaves that were damaged. And so they either got cold, the wind got to them, uh, the bottom leaves are starting to spot. It is critical. If you see any kind of blemish on a tomato plant, pick that thing off. Tomatoes want to die. They're looking to die. They don't even need permission to die from, from leaf spot. Uh, from spotting. That's usually they die from leaf diseases. There's a big caterpillar that can get on them. I haven't seen them yet. It's far too early for a tomato horned worm to be on tomatoes yet. Uh, they show up in the summer. But right now what will happen, especially as the nights are real cool, you'll get leaf spot. Ferillalum wilt, the leaves will start to curl spot damage, especially at the bottom of the plant. I went through this week and I just really nurtured and cared. For my vegetable plants, peppers had a a little bit of damage, some curled leaves. I picked those off the bottom of my tomatoes. I'm looking to get most of the foliage off of my tomatoes at the bottom layers. That's where rains will come or you'll irrigate. Uh, There'll be diseases. Things will happen in the soil. You know, that water will hit splash up on the foliage and then you get this leaf disease stuff. If it's left unchecked, it can kill the plant. And it can go right through, can tear right through an entire tomato patch. You really want to watch this. So it's critical. And now's the time to just go through and I'll sip my glass of tea at the end of the day. And I'll just primp and talk to and touch my plants. And they respond well and they send off new leaves. But I'm really looking for damaged things. Uh, peppers, I noticed I had some some leaves I had to pick off and tomatoes. Those are the two main ones. My giant pumpkins. I love growing Atlantic giant pumpkins. Those original old the original baby leaves. They were starting to yellow and get they just didn't look healthy. I just took my pocket knife and slipped them right off. I said, you don't need those. You got all these big beautiful new foliage. Let me encourage that to grow. So I'm, I'm rather aggressive. Don't be afraid to nip and tuck and, and snip your, your plants, the leaves and things. It's okay. The plant will, will quickly respond, especially this time of year when you, the, the fertilizers and the nutrients and all that soil you prepped um, respond so quickly. It's nurturing that plant very, very quickly. That, watch your watering. So I was watering every day, and then then all of a sudden it got cool midweek, and I backed it off a little bit. So I'm just watching that very carefully. This is that tender new growth is more sensitive than old, more established, thicker, leathery uh, summer growth. You actually have more sensitivity now. Trees, shrubs, roses, vegetables, and herbs. They're more sensitive now than they will be in the heat of summer. As I know it seems counterintuitive, but it's because of the maturity of the foliage. That, and when I start my season... I always get the largest size of root and grow. It's, it's a composted tea that I make here at the garden center. It looks rich, thick, and syrupy, but it's made for transplant shock, for new things, to encourage stressed out plants to come back around. If you have to nip and tuck a few leaves off, you, you water it in. This is a liquid that you add to your watering can. And I've always got a couple gallons just sitting there waiting to go. And I'm very generous when the plants are very young. I'm very generous with my root and grow. It's just a nutrient that helps plants. They just take, they just, they just adapt to the surrounding soil very quickly with that. So especially up front when the plants are very, very young. As they're mature, they don't care as much. They're so robust. They're just growing like crazy. They're I'm actually fertilizing, not not with a composted tea, with actual organic fertilizer, some rich thicker meat and potato kind of stuff. The, uh, the root and grow is more like milk for babies or, or new plants. And so it, it, they respond very, very well to that. So some of my strawberries I'd planted, they had some of the leaves that had gotten dried and I went, oh oops, oops, I made a mistake, let it go a little dry, cut those off, gave it a little bit of water with some root and grow added and they've already started to form new leaves. So just watch those couple things. I think you're okay to keep planting. We just have, we're at the garden center, we are restocking. I mean, every week, it's like record week. So all new basil, all new strawberries, all new rhubarb, all new, I mean, all new. We're just bringing in more plants because people are, are, they've planted most of the gardens. uh, I'd say over half, but now they're accessories. They're seeing where the holes are or something failed. Uh, I'm a really, really good gardener. And even I will have some losses. I got the hole was too dry. I was planting too fast. The wind got to it too quickly. Birds, right now it's birds can come in on seedlings and they eat your seedlings. Doggone mischievous birds. So I'll have to replant. Once they're up large enough, birds don't bother them. It's only when they're very young. They like that tender new growth. So kind of nurture and take care of those plants. Something else I've done right now is, is I was out nipping and tucking some things. I had my little pruners. I'm just enjoying the evening. Uh, I went out to my irises, especially the Prescott purple irises. There's a standard color that all irises kind of revert to. If given if if out in the gardens enough years, they all revert to this certain color of purple deep, rich uh, kind of royal purple. We call it Prescott purple here in Prescott. For you folks in Prescott Valley, we call it Prescott Valley purple. For you folks in Chino Valley, we call it Chino Valley purple. They all revert back to that that same purple. So they just cross-pollinate and they just revert back to that. They've been blooming first. Then the hybrid tea, the hybrid varieties and new fancy colors will start to bloom after that. As those Bulbs start to dry out. They, they finish blooming. I'll go through and I'll take off the old stems, so they just look bad. They look dry and crusty, and they just look bad. You clean them up. It just takes only only a few minutes. Clean them up, add them to the compost pile, and then all of a sudden, this beautiful iris foliage looks good. It looks more like a grass. All of a sudden, it looks, an iris looks good, a daffodil looks good, tulips, they look good even without their foliage. They get this nice, soft, supple foliage. But the, the old, spent flowers, it kind of brings them down. And so I'm looking to clean up my plants, whether it's an herb, a vegetable, a flower, shrubs. I had a Coriopteris or false spireas. Uh, it's beautiful, kind of knee high, in between knee and hip high. Uh, shrub just nice ball shaped starting to bloom blue right now great pollinator for flower for bees and butterflies but some of my older ones that had wintered over they had a little winter damaged so they had some dead stems i went through and just nipped them off real quick and left the foliage that was coming out anyway and it just all that was left was this foliage you don't want dead damaged crinkled curled foliage uh, on your plants clean them up as you need to just a little bit every day just go through and i nip and tuck and it just it's therapy for me but it's also very good for your plants and that's the sign of a gardener that's what true gardeners do they don't just plant them let them go we are planting we're nurturing them, so the plant become more than they could be by themselves
0: you're listening to local garden expert ken lane the owner of waters garden center He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Gee, my flowers just bloom too much.
1: Said no one, ever. Hi, this is Kenneth Waters. We had a crazy winter and everyone's ready for flowers in the garden.
0: Waters Flower Power is made specifically for Arizona that gives flowers that extra boost to burst into bloom. It's an energy kick in the plants. Get ready for roses that rule, peppers that pop, and tomatoes that triumph. More power to the flowers with Flower Power at Waters Garden
1: Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Purple Robe Locust, Vining Achevia, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Easy Elegant Roses.
0: Just plant these roses in a sunny spot and enjoy. We've married
1: the beauty of long stem roses with the easy care of shrub roses for landscape color like no other plant in the backyard.
0: Choose fragrant reds, radiant pinks, corals, vivacious yellows, and stately whites.
1: Extremely fragrant and only found locally at Waters
0: Garden Center in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert, Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane.
1: And we've got a lot of gardeners. Now, Waters Garden Center has been around 58 years. Uh, we're second-generation owners, so Lisa not, Lisa was a Waters. I found her highly attractive, brilliant, uh, nurturer, carer, lover, but she's just great. And so I married her 30, what is it, 32 years ago. So we've got four kids working in the business. Um and we were the very first garden center in northern Arizona. So the, back then there were some some greenhouses and growers down in Phoenix off a of baseline, but basically we were the first ones up in the mountains. And so we've seen a lot of influence. We influence the central highlands area. We get people, I help people from Skull Valley, from Ash Fork this week, from Cordes Junction, Sedona comes over. Uh, I think they're, 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 heading to Costco and they hit our place or Kingman came in last week. So they're coming to the VA uh, and then while they're there, they just shop, they stop by the garden center. So we've got influence in this central part of the state. Um, We've seen a a lot of animals, a lot of uh, deer is a real issue right now, javelina, rabbits. um, So so animals, if, if you've got edibles and animals, they don't go together. If you like to eat it, so will they except for this one thing, herbs. Animals, for some reason, don't like herbs. So rosemary, they never bother that. Lavender, oregano, thyme. You can go down the list. Uh, 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 lemongrass. Uh, I notice sometimes the deer can eat the basil, but generally they'd rather eat anything else. Sometime cilantro, but really they'd rather eat anything else. But most herbs, if it's got a heavy fragrance to it, they're not going to like that. As you're shopping perennial flowers, and remember perennials are those plants that come back. Perennial and pea both start, come back every year. So that's, you plant it once and you're done. If you rub the foliage of a perennial, let's say it's in bloom here in, in the greenhouse. We have an entire greenhouse of nothing but perennial flowers. Um, if you rub that foliage and it's got a heavy scent, and, and let's say a sagey scent or a scented geranium, citronella scent. You, you just smell it and you go, whoa, that's got a strong scent. I kind of like that. Animals don't. It's a natural defensive mechanism that plants throw off to hide their edibility. To el- el- Edibility? Is that is that even a word? So animals won't like the taste. And so it's a defense that plants throw off to, to mask their scent and their, and their flavor. Either that or Though the sap will have this heavy, thick, milky, like euphorbia. They don't like that, so animals don't eat that. Sometimes it's even poisonous. Or sometimes, if you've got animals, you'll look for leaves that have a texture to them. You'll see like Gallardia. It's a natural May bloomer, just famous here in the mountains. If you look down the stems, they've got hairs up and down the stems. Well, those hairs get stuck inside a rabbit's throat. and They kind of go, oh, that's terrible. Sometimes plants will have Blue, they use blue as a, as a secretion over the foliage. So generally blue colors of, of leaves animals don't like. It's a defense the, the plants use to scare off or or keep the animals away. Plants are brilliant. But if you need help, if you've got deer, rabbits, even elk, uh, we've got experience with that. Down in Skull Valley, we raised our family in Skull Valley and Elk roamed. There's a herd of 15 right there every evening going off to Kirkland Creek to to, to water. And so I kind of have this feel for what plants, what animals don't like, what they do like. Of course, you can always walk up and down your street in your neighborhood. If they're not eating your plant. if your neighbor's Oregon grape is standing there blooming beautifully, then you could probably plant one too. But we can help you with that. That that's, can be tricky, especially if you interface with the forest out there in the wilds. But Ken and Lisa Lane, we camp out here at Waters Garden Center throughout the week, and we love talking to fans of the show.
0: If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener.